0: Welcome to a new episode of Good Morning Camera. We're here. We're here steaming ahead, steaming ahead. Maybe that might allude something to later in the episode. Anthony, how are you?
1: <laughs> Excellent, my friend. What's, what's happening? What's, I, you what's know, new? I'm still
0: trying to figure out the intro. You know, we're <laughs> almost 40 episodes in. I still haven't figured out the right intro for us. Just but we'll get down. there together.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll, get, get, we'll th- figure it out. We, we wing half of the episodes, and then some of it is super detailed and super planned out. So, like, yeah, <laughs> we got yeah. to save some spice.
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We'll figure it out together. This this year, we're going to figure it out together. But enough of that. We're going to get to some interesting topics. Uh, I was scouring the web for what we're going to talk about. and I think I found an interesting mix. We're going to talk about Apple. We're going to talk about Fuji. But first, we're going to talk mm. about Sony. Cause Sony just announced, it's like they can't stop announcing things. They just <laughs> announced a brand new lens. And this one's interesting because it's a 20 to 70 millimeter F4 lens. So Anthony, give us sort of the rundown of this lens. What is this lens? What are some of the key specs here?
1: yeah so i like these like obscure kind of focal lengths like when you get off like we've been sticking to this like standard 24 to 70 for quite a long time but i always felt 24 was just a little it wasn't that like 24 is not that wide so if you're taking like photography out and about in the streets and stuff you're gonna like this focal length it's an f4 all the way through it looks super nice and compact uh it's 40 uh 488 grams with a 72 millimeter uh, filter thread the aperture ring has like this little lock. So if you're setting it to auto, you know you're going to stay in auto and not like bump that aperture ring. Nice little feature there. Who's setting things in auto, uh, especially when it comes to the aperture. You're a madman if you are, but hey, it's there for you. Uh, I like the video kind of features of this lens. Uh, it has an active steady shot feature. So there's like a slight crop. And then also it uh, the camera will digitally correct some of the movement as well. And then there's also a breathing compensation feature on this. And this is like Sony's kind of newish kind of thing. I kind of like this feature. You you do get a little slight crop in there. So here's the thing, Gadget. If you stick on active steady shot and breathing compensation, it's actually going to reduce the focal length to about 23 millimeters. So you get one extra millimeter uh, compared to the 24 to 70. Uh, But if you just leave these things off, they're more video features, I'd say anyways so like I, I think this is pretty good you can get yourself a little bit wider than that standard 24 to 70 but what do you what do you think
0: yeah this is interesting and i think i think they made a good move with this lens right because like mm-hmm. you're looking at this lens 20 to 70 f4 all right if you ignore all the sort, of sort of super detailed thing you have something that comes in at about 1500 canadian well mm-hmm. under even a used 24 70 you know from sony right and a lens that's significantly smaller than a 24 to 70. doesn't have that wide sort of 2.8 aperture, you know, through the focal range. Mm -hmm. But f4, you know, you're looking at a stop more and and it's still incredibly versatile. So if you are that creator that is not, you know, uh, shooting in always the lowest light situations, that being said, a lot of these modern Sony cameras do well in low light (laughs) anyway. Mm-hmm. This is a great lens. This is a great lens because for 1500 bucks you're getting something that covers most of the popular focal lengths but gets you that extra reach on the wide end. And I I think about listen, I don't know if anybody listening to this is going to go shoot the next Top Gun Maverick, but those, <laughs> you know, cockpit shots where they're like using a 21 and you get that wide field of view, right? Yeah. That being able to go from 24 to 20 actually feels much bigger than if you were going from like Fifty to sixty, you know what I mean? Like it Uh actually feels like a a, a bigger shift in your perspective, especially with the angle of view. And so, for creators really of all kind, is that you know whether you're going to be vlogging, whether you're going to be just doing music videos, whether you're going to be doing fitness videos, like it allows you to sort of have this even more exaggerated look. That especially when you push into a subject that's in the center of your frame, it it just gives you some. Extra value I want to feel, right? Like I'm not even talking about specs. I'm just talking about the stuff that you make. That extra yeah. four millimeters is actually the sort of value that you get in lieu of that one extra stop of light gathering ability. So that's where I think people really got to look at. Okay, what do you shoot? How often are you shooting? And really, what do you actually need to make your best work right now? And when you look at the size, especially, I think I think this is a big win for Sony.
1: I 100% agree. And I like I said, I like the extra little bit of wideness. When I first started photography, because that's how I got into the content and creation spaces through photography. I was shooting portraits and such. I bought a 24-70. to That was my first go-to lens because you can pretty much do everything with a 24-70. to It's a 2.8 all the way through. Uh, this is the Fujifilm one. Um So then, the next lens that I was looking for is something a little bit more wider. So I went with the fourteen millimeter focal length, um, just to give myself an extra little bit of wideness. And then I also ended up later on getting the eighty-five mil one point two, the Fujifilm version of that. Um, So what I was curious, what what lenses did you actually start out with when you first got into photography?
0: Oh man, I I think. Like you're asking me to go way back, so like it was a hobby <laughs> is. for me. This yeah. is, hey, welcome to the old man part of the show. Uh, <laughs> so when I was first starting off, uh, it was a Nikon D90. That was my sort of first camera that I personally got, and it was a hobby uh-huh. for me. And I want to say it was just like it came with the kit lens, so I just kind of started with that. And the first mm-hmm. lens I got after that was a 51.8. Mm-hmm. So you a, went down. Man, you went way cl- back. You went down the classic.
1: The classic. The classic. Yeah. Path. Yeah, you know.
0: it was a 50, and then it was a 35, and then it was an 85. I feel like that was the sort of thing. And then, you know, when I start to make it more of my living, that's when I'm like, all right, let's get the, the Holy Trinity, right? Like the 24 to seventy, seventy-two hundred, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like that, that's... Do you I, still... I, this is interesting because like, you know, I imagine like if I was getting into content creation now, like a 20 to 70 just kind of like is such a great lens to start with. A hundred percent. Especially when you're trying to, oh, excuse me. I got so excited I knocked over the mic. (laughs) Especially when you're trying to, like, figure out your perspective. Like, you want to figure out, you know, what kind of material and content you're going to make. Like, you're getting something that gives you that, but also has, let's let's be honest here, a lot of resale value. Like, in this sort of industry, you can kind of pick up these things, use them, figure who you are, create a bunch of stuff and lenses hold their value quite well that you can say okay you know what i figured it out i'm going to graduate to this and still not lose a lot of money right
1: mhm what do you think of these like crop lenses like the obscure focal lengths like uh, i was looking at the sony lineup and i'm kind of thinking about like what are they missing right i, I was looking at something like the 16 to 55 2.8 and then they also have the 10 to 20 f4 like when those lenses came out, I thought that was like fantastic for those with a crop sensor camera. But what do you think about these obscure focal lengths and, and things like that? Look, uh Sony's not going to make what I want.
0: Okay? I'll tell you, <laughs> right, let me preface this right now. Oh, not going to make it. They don't have <laughs> the courage to make what I want. Okay? They got a what kajillion you, lenses in their lineup. What are you looking right? for? What does this so, guy want? <laughs> what I want from them is to make a set of manual focus lenses with distance scales with uh (laughs) the ability the ability anthony to just use these sony these modern super computer sony cameras like a rangefinder you know sure they don't have the actual rangefinder But it'd be nice to just kind of have some manual lenses. And the priority was just keeping them small and putting in the best optics. Like, can you get me something under a thousand bucks, but it's the best 35 millimeter? It has no focusing in it, it is just meant to give you the best shot. And you are in the driver's seat. I would love them to come out with a 28, (laughs) 35, 50. Give me the classics, Mick Jagger. Give me the classics. Look, Sony, you don't have the courage to make it. The ship has
1: sailed. And here's the difference between you and I, Gadget. You're you're wanting Sony to be Leica, and I'm fine with Sony just being Sony. <laughs> my, I know. My no, go- no, 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 no. Hey,
0: I want so <laughs> I want Sony to be it all, baby. I don't want them to be Leica. No one can be Leica. Nobody can be Fuji. Nobody can be Sony. Everyone's their own. But I would like you. I would like them to leverage their glass, their engineering to make something that nobody else can make
1: okay fair fair point fair point but here's here's my rundown of lenses that i'm totally fine with and sony you already have it in the bag for me i need a 24 to 70 because it's like a do-it-all kind of lens 2.8 all the way through i like the fixed apertures i don't play around with anything that has a variable aperture it's just like it, it's just too—it's too annoying to kind of deal with, right? I need a 24, I need a 35. Uh, occasionally, I need a 50, but it's not a lens I currently but own. But what so. would you
0: want to see them make that they don't have right now? That's—that's that's
1: the more interesting part. They got it all for me. No, they no, 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 no! Don't dodge no. the question. This is no, not what I'm the serious. listeners <laughs> tu- tuned in for. How dare you, sir? sir? I'm serious. The only want... lens—the only no, no, lens no, no, that no, no, I currently no, 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 no. you're not know. dodging this question.
0: I want to know <laughs> if you're sitting down in front of Sony. And they say, Anthony, Anthony, look, we love your setup. We love, we love how your studio looks, by the way. Um, <laughs> tell us, you get to wave your magic wand and you get a lens that we can make. What is that lens?
1: Okay, if this isn't possible, but if it was in a hypothetical situation, if you can get me a 24 millimeter to 105, 2.8, that's very compact. Like no, I'm talking, so you want like them to
0: make a bazooka. You want them to make the biggest lens they've ever made.
1: <laughs> that's ex- that's the th- that's the problem. This lens can't exist. But if they made a 24 to 105 2.8 with optical stabilization, but in a very in essentially the f4 version, like that kind of size. It's not possible, but that's the only lens that I feel like.
0: You no, know, at least I, I at least I stuck <laughs> to physics. At least I went to something that was like uh, within the realm of
1: possibility. You, you're putting the pressure on Gadget. If you if you're forcing me to answer, I gotta I gotta make up something. Yeah,
0: this is enough of Sony talk. This is enough. Let's give yeah. me the next topic here.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> too funny. Fuji dropped a huge update on the X-H2S. You're saying this is a big deal. I just expected this to happen, but you're saying it's here. 3.0, version 3.0. Tell me about this firmware update. What's, What's going on? What's the deal with it?
0: You know... Can I can I give you a rant, or can I give the should I give the rant after this? I,
1: Please, we want the rant. We want the rant. Couchon. Nobody
0: cares about autofocus as much as YouTubers <laughs> care about them as much as autofocus. You know oh, what I mean? Okay, it's this okay, rant. Okay, look, I, I went on every social platform of mine: Instagram, Twitter, my YouTube audience. Went to all mm. of them. I gave them four options. What do you care about? Image quality, like color, look, and all that dynamic range, that kind of thing. Autofocus speed accuracy. I uh, asked them about the camera design, how it feels, ergonomics, that kind of thing. Or ISO performance, you know, the range, the noise, uh, the 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 actual, like, quality of, you know, ISO performance. Do you know how many people <laughs> on those across those three audiences on three platforms, do you know on any of those polls, do you know which one had autofocus number one? All of them? None of them. None of, None them. of them. Oh, my God. Do you know how That's many crazy. of them had autofocus number two?
1: uh i don't know none Uh, of them you throw me off now oh my gosh that's crazy this
0: is this is just my audience the people that i sort of make my material and share my content with but this Mm. comes back to sort of substantiate what i've been talking about for a long time autofocus has gotten to a point that it is good enough for most situations and Mm. that while the innovation is great While the quality is getting better and better and the industry is pushing further and further, there's such a high amount of air being taken up talking Mm. about autofocus that it makes people prioritize weird things, weird things that I think most (laughs) of the market does not care about. So look, Fuji released a massive update, right? Not Mm. even a year removed from the XH2S, they're on version 3 already, with a subject detection enhancement in their AI Uh, algorithm for autofocus, right? Where it can detect insects. It can detect drones. Uh, They had a whole bunch of stuff already, but like automobiles, motorbikes, like all this kind of stuff. They just made it better. And then they made improvements to their tracking of their autofocus. This is all great news. My rant is not directed at Fuji. This is great (laughs) stuff. This is great, great, great stuff. But I just can't help but feel that so much of, of these decisions are being made, are being made and pressured by people that are just unaware of what people actually want
1: yeah you know what's funny is when i talked to fujifilm about uh it's it's the new xt5 and like that whole like flip screen thing they were talking about how the market they were dying for you know everything to have a flip screen going forward but then when they gave them the flip screen on the xt4 they're like uh actually you know what i kind of like the the tilt right for if this is a a photography camera then give me the tilt and i was like everybody was like if it doesn't have a flip screen going forward like this camera is dead to me and i think it's the same thing i hear the stuff on on uh, on social media about autofocus and all that stuff but at the same time gadjin i can't be a hypocrite and say i didn't buy a panasonic s1h because of the autofocus it's a phen- it's that's a phenomenal it's a phenomenal camera. The image quality fair. was great. Which is fair. <laughs> but it was all because of the autofocus. So.
0: And look, there's some people that did vote for autofocus on my poll. Mm-hmm. I'm saying they're not the majority. My argument oh, wow. is that, Anthony, you're not the majority. I mean, look at your setup, dude. How many people have a setup? Look at your office. Oh, how many people have a setup like this? You're not in the yeah. majority. Exactly. You need specific exactly. tools for what you're doing, right? So... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, look, you didn't pay for the rant, but you got one anyway. It's like overtime <laughs> in hockey. Congratulations. Can we talk about the next thing?
1: Well, actually, what in the future, what would you like to see in the in an update from Fujifilm oh, if you oh, had yeah. the power? We're going oh, back to yeah, these yeah. hypothetical yeah, yeah. Oh, listen, situations. Is a great question. Great question. What
0: would I actually like them to see? I would yeah. actually like them to see, put them more filmmaker-centric tools, you know, like false color, like waveforms, like 32-bit float recording for audio, uh, I would like them to do those kinds of things that functionally make this a more robust tool, right? Yeah. You come out, you say this is a great video thing, this is our flagship, all that kind of stuff. Most of the filmmakers I know are not using autofocus. They're not using autofocus for the work that they're doing, right? It's fair. I would like them to do more of that kind of work. And then what would be interesting to me is if they can bring in another film simulation. You're resting on 19 film simulations for a little while now, kid. (laughs) Look, you know, sometimes you got to move out of your parents' house a little bit instead of talking about your high school report card. You know what I mean? Uh, (laughs) So we're at 19. Let's round it up to 20. Let's Let's just make it a nice clean number. 20 film simulations. Why do I sound like I'm turning this into a Jerry Seinfeld bit? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not trying to do that. But if you are asking me, In all this time, what would I have liked Fujifilm to focus on? It would be on differentiating features that functionally make... I own an an H2S. It's right over there, right? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you this as someone, as as an owner. I would like them to focus on things that make the work better for the people that are investing close to $3,000 in this camera. The people that are Mm -hmm. investing close to $3,000 in this camera, I would venture to argue most of them don't care for a significant autofocus update in lieu of a new film simulation, more f- filmmaker centric features.
1: That's what I'm saying. What about you? 32 bit audio, like that would actually be a huge. I didn't even think about that, but then you said that. I'm like, mm, that would be. that. I mean, Panasonic is listening to this and jotting that down right now. So I, I know it's coming to a Panasonic camera. Well, you know, we mentioned this
0: in our last <laughs> episode. Like, it feels like Panasonic was like, we're going <laughs> to figure out everything else, mm-hmm. differentiate, make us known for this, and then. Get to autofocus.
1: And then get to autofocus. And that's exactly what they're doing. And I think that's why they're probably going to have some success coming in 2023 and 2024. But Gadget, I asked you a little while back about some of your top features in an Apple computer. What are you looking for when Mm -hmm. purchasing an Apple computer? And I would love to share that with the audience because you gave us some really good insights. And it's perfect because Apple, they... They kind of quietly announced some new laptops last week. And what what are your thoughts about this? And is this the go-to kind of machine for creators? I would love to see what yeah. you're kind of thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was a hard pivot, man. You got me all riled up with Fuji and the firmware <laughs> updates and the market, and you're just that's like, that's what hey, we let's do. We got
1: something nice. We got to keep the ball rolling. I got to keep <laughs> yeah. you on time, gadget.
0: Yeah, you're telling me to hold a puppy all of a sudden. Calm down, calm down. Uh, look, Apple came out, they announced some new machines. Uh, they, they've they switched over their processing, their chips. Uh, instead of using Intel chips a while back, they switched over to their in house solution with these M1 chips, right? Like, mm-hmm. they started with the MacBook Air, and then it came out to the MacBook Air. MacBook Pros, and then their Mac Mini, Mac Studio, all this kind of stuff. Well, it's sort of a big deal for the nerds and the geeks that follow this kind of stuff, such as myself. They released the new version of that chip, M2, right? M2 Pro, M2 Max, and they updated their laptops as well as a Mac Mini that, you know, you have access to these chips. So I think it's actually becoming easier and easier to buy. If you're, looking, if you're okay with the Apple ecosystem, it's mm-hmm. becoming easier to invest in, right? Because really what you got to decide... Is what form factor is best for your work? Is it a 16-inch laptop like myself, where I need the screen real estate, where I'm okay traveling with it, and because I'm always in, you know, studios on location, I would rather have the screen real estate, especially if I'm going to be editing. Or maybe it's 14 inches because you want something that's a little bit more portable. You're going to school, you're off, you know, in between meetings. That is probably the first decision you're going to make, right? Mm-hmm. The next decision you're going to make is. Based on what you do, if it's just opening up Safari and a bunch of tabs and office work, you could just get the entry-level thing and it's going to last you a long, long time. (laughs) And it's just nice that these entry-level ones now have their latest chip involved. And if you want to go refurbished, you can even get the previous generation. And the delta between the two is not that significant. It's not like years prior where the one -hmm. generation of Intel chip moving to another, you would get a significant leap in performance And thermal management, where it just wouldn't use as much power and wouldn't make as much heat. These chips are so crazy efficient that, like, you're not seeing that huge leap in actual user benefit, right? So Mm -hmm. when I'm looking at this, you know, it it just feels like it's becoming easier and easier to make a decision based on, you know, more practical things like form factor and what you do, as opposed Mm -hmm. to sort of nitpicking the specs, um, but I mean, I guess the second part, I mean, you know, we quite quickly glossed over the, the new update cause I don't think it's that big, <laughs> but you know, how do you decide the right machine? I think that's how you do it. I think that's what you look into. Right. And based on the work you do, if you are constantly editing, you're constantly, constantly editing. I think for me, like I went with the biggest screen size and I, at least two terabytes of SSD storage video, yeah. like you just have so much video, like the Ram is fast Having a good amount of storage means that, you know, with two terabytes, for example, you can, like, do a complete edit without any dongles or nothing, right? So, yeah, yeah that's how I would approach it. I'm more curious to see what you think as sort of like an outsider looking in to this ecosystem and what's being announced.
1: Well, I've made mistakes in the past, okay? <laughs> I've made mistakes when uh, that's, <laughs> purchasing. It's a great the, way to just start uh, off. <laughs> I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. And I think a lot of people are going to make the same mistake as I did in the past, is you pay a lot of money for the internal memory uh, in some of these Apple computers, right? And I would say if I could do it all again, which I did. I did do it all again in 2021. <laughs> I would just pay for a little bit more storage like internal storage uh in the past i think uh, i went with like a 32 gigabyte Drive inside, and I paid a decent amount for for that. I wish I just had to paid a little bit more and got a little bit more internal storage. Even though, yeah, you can attach the SSDs, but then you got like all these other SSDs that are all over the place. You know, you open up your drawer of storage stuff, and you got like 28 drives, and they're all got like different years on them and different backups of different years. It would just be a lot more easier if you could just edit one single project on your computer all at once and then dump the final project over to your drive. So I I think you kind of said it, but I'm going to reiterate the fact how important it is for people to pay a little bit extra for the extra little bit of internal storage. So that's... That's all I got. Are we ready yeah. for creator draft picks, Gadget? I don't want to move are. on. I, I don't want to move are. on with her. I think yet.
0: we are. I'm, listen, mine is going to be a real curveball, so I think you should start.
1: Okay, cool. I'm I'm glad to start because I'm I'm interested. I I'm hoping, like I said, I'm hoping you didn't see this already, but my creator draft pick was Babylon with uh Mar- Mar- Margot Robbie and Brad Pitt. The new movie's oh. out. Yeah if you're slightly into filmmaking I think you're really gonna enjoy this one because it's essentially it's all about making movies and all about the Hollywood scene in the early 1920s and 30s right so it follows like a couple different characters Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie being two of them uh, but it follows a bunch of different characters and their journey through Hollywood making films in the 1920s and 30s but first of all how it's shot really kind of caught me off guard but like that that's what originally attracted me to this movie. There's a couple scenes at the very beginning especially where there's the, these like long takes where like the action plays out and the camera doesn't cut. It's just one scene the camera follows the action and I was like watching this and I'm like there's so much going on in these scenes that are like it's absolutely chaos because it's trying to portray the the Hollywood crazy lifestyle that they live Uh, and the the camera is just following the action all the way through these scenes really cool love to see those but then there's also like a couple different scenes as a filmmaker that kind of got me in the moment like it it put me in those moments where if you were a filmmaker or a photographer you would know exactly how they're feeling there's this one scene it doesn't ruin anything for you so going through this won't won't kill the movie for you but there's this one scene where they destroy like seven or eight cameras and then they need to get back they need to go to the rental store to get a new camera and then get back to the set before the sun actually goes down they're losing light it's like halfway through the day the whole the whole set goes from complete chaos to everybody just laying in a field and they're all like just chilling, waiting for this one guy to bring a camera back to the set, but they're losing light. So the director is going nuts and it's a lot of money to to waste. Everybody's just sitting around, right? So the sun's just about to go down. The camera arrives back to the set. They finally get this shot. It's this like the perfect shot. The sun's going down and then a butterfly even lands on Brad Pitt's shoulders. It's like the perfect shot. And it takes you through those emotions where you're just like, Oh my gosh, like I know exactly. Like I've been here. You know what I mean, Gadget? Yeah. Like it, it was okay. It, okay, it takes I'm sold. you through those. I'm it sold. takes you through those emotions so well. And if you're a filmmaker, you're going to love it. Um okay. yeah, yeah, I can't say anything more because I don't want to ruin it. It's not a family family friendly film, that's for sure. Don't take the kids to it. It's it's <laughs> okay. pretty gruesome in some of the spots, but uh, really good, really good movie as as a filmmaker and a photographer. You would I, you would look, like it for sure.
0: I, I originally wasn't on my radar because I have this thing about Hollywood movies, making movies about Hollywood movies. Like, eh, you know, sometimes yeah. they're hit or miss. It's, sometimes, not all the time, you know. Yeah. But now you've convinced me, I'm going to go watch this
1: thing. Gadget, uh, my my uh, fiance came with me to this film, and she was watching me react to the movie. Like, that's how, like, you know how, like, <laughs> you get into those moments where you're just like, you're almost like a little teary-eyed and <laughs> oh, you're just like, oh, and she you're knows. are getting choked
0: up looking at camera cuts knows, and pants. She knows,
1: <laughs> she knows that I would be loving this. So, like, she's looking at me watching. It, it was really funny. So, okay,
0: yeah, okay.
1: it's a good, um, good movie. Uh,
0: look, my pick is a little out of left field. It's a Steam Deck. If you don't know what a Steam Deck is, it's a, yeah. it's a handheld gaming console made by Valve. It's, uh, if you don't know who Valve is, they made very popular games like Half-Life, like Team Fortress, uh, Dota. If you don't know what any of that is, well, I'm really sorry for this, man, but let me try to walk <laughs> you through this. The Steam Deck is kind of like a Nintendo Switch, except that it runs Linux, which means that you can play a whole bunch of games and you can treat this like a computer and download any game you like really install almost any kind of game you like that runs on a computer, right? It is something that I was so cynical about. I was just like this, I don't, I don't need this. I don't need this, right? <laughs> but month after month, even week after week, they would release firmware updates and really just you know solidify this thing. And then a bunch of developers would release emulators so you can go back and play like your NES, SNES, Game Boy, GameCube, all these mm. games that you can't find anymore. And I just found that this thing was pretty convenient to just have during trips, during those flights, or those in-between moments. You know, sometimes you're just waiting for a video to render out. It's going to take 30 minutes to pick (laughs) this thing up. You're not going to get another task done. You might as well just, you know, kill some zombies. Vampire survivors. A great game. Easy to play. uh, I digress. I digress. (laughs) I've either lost everyone or there's a few of you clinging on. My my pick is the Steam Deck. It is something that I was so like, I didn't even think about it. And then I got it. And then I'm like opening this thing up. I'm expanding the SSD. Like they make it like a PC where you can do so much with it, where it feels like a hobby and a gaming console. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to promise it, but I'm going to try my best to never ever bring up anything video game related <laughs> on this specific podcast again. But if you find yourself to be that traveling creator and you just need to unwind sometimes i would take a hard look at, at a steam deck
1: hey i think that's a great pick gajin because uh every once in a while like you're deep in the work and you just need to just turn the brain off for a quick sec i got that's a it. big a big tv xbox right behind me here yeah. everyone i'm not going to lie every once in a while you just you turn around you just shoot some zombies and and move on and that's, that's it, it. That's it. That's what life's all about, right? Exactly. Listen, this is a great episode. This is a great
0: episode. Uh, It's fun. I I I didn't think it it was going to be as great because some of the topics, I mean, we don't have any new cameras coming out. But look, I had fun. We made it. I think
1: you had fun. We had a lot of fun.
0: There you go. Listen, if you're enjoying the show as much as we enjoy making it, please do subscribe. Let your friends know about it and rate us on iTunes. As always, my name's Gadget. His name's Anthony. And we'll see you next time. See ya.